sinning unwittingly or unwillingly or accidentally, unintentionally, unconsciously. There's all kinds of words that we can throw out that are very important words. But something we have to remember that in reality this is talking about uh, this is this is not talking about sin that has been done accidentally. There is no offering for accidental sin because you didn't sin if you accidentally sin. Now, what's the difference between the two? Intention. Intention. I, if I didn't intend to sin, I didn't know it was a sin, and I didn't intend to sin. God forbid, if I'd have known it was a sin, I wouldn't have done it. Right? That's uh, an accidental sin. There's no sacrifice. Because it's not a sin itself. However, we're going to take a look at a couple of ideas that come from Maimonides, Rav, um, let's see, also Rav Hirsch. And we're going to look at the different views that they have, because there are a couple of views that would say, what does this actually mean and how does it translate? And we'll bring a little light illumination to it, and then we're going to start our discussion. The fourth chapter of Leviticus deals entirely with the concept of sin offerings, those brought on by a person who incurs unwittingly, or guilt unwittingly. Verse uh, verse 2 and then 27 through 35. By the high priest who has also incurred guilt. Now you think, my goodness, how could the high priest have committed unwitted sin. We're going to talk about what this actually means, 13 through 21. It says, in the name of the entire community, when it occurs uh, guilt unwittingly, and by a leader, a chieftain who incurs guilt, all the sins referred to here involve guilt being incurred unwittingly and are sins regarding which the Torah commands the sinner to bring a sin offering. Now, What is so unique about this idea of the sin offering compared to what other people of other religious communities think about a sin offering? What is the big thing that was the big aha moment for you when you began to study this for the first time? Is there actually a sacrifice? There you go. There's no sacrifice for an actual sin. If you intentionally sin, there is no sacrifice. And so whenever your uh, Christian friends say, well, and they'll quote from Hebrews, and they'll say, well, there's the blood of of bulls and goats does not uh, atone for sin or remove sin, you go, absolutely right. It never has. All right, that's not a a debatable question. The whole point is, is they're trying to make uh, an issue out of something that's not even an issue. How does, and this is the next follow-up question, how does any person, from the time the Torah was given at Mount Sinai to today, how does a person have their sins removed or remitted or pulled away or changed or, you know, removed from you? How do you do it nowadays? What? Repentance. Repentance. Pretty simple. Now, it's not just saying we're sorry, Right? And the reason why that they cannot be uh, an offering for intentional sin is to avoid this very thing that today many Christians do. Can I tell you what it is? And that is, oh, I sinned, I'll just bring an offering. (laughs) Right? Oh, I committed adultery, I'll just bring an offering. Right? 
See, what happens is when you think that something can remove your sins without you actually having to pay restitution and or change your life, you get into this whole thing, I'll just bring an offering. Well, Shem says, no go. Bringing an offering is not going to do it. You're going to have to vex yourself and really repent and change your ways. Not only change your ways, but you need to pay reparations of some kind. And in a few moments, we're going to understand this whole idea. There, this idea that a sin that has been committed that caused you to be cut off, that's a serious sin. But what Hashem says is, anybody who's committed a sin accidentally, you haven't sinned. Okay? That's why sometimes it's better that you don't share your Torah with some people because they're not capable of handling it. Just better to love them, show them love and kindness, and move on. And if they ask, fine. Then there's the idea of a person who sins, um, and they realize later someone tells them, tells them, you know, that's that's a sin. It can cause you to be cut off from the community, according to Torah law. Then they bring a korban offering. Now, what was unique about the sin offering for unintentional sin or unwit- unwittingly sinning was the fact that you draw near to God. So the solution to sinning uh, unwittingly was come to Hashem. And to be honest with you, isn't that the whole reason for the system at, at, at period was to draw near to the Creator? Even today, we have that very same solution. Every night before we go to bed, what do we do? We pray that Hashem would forgive us of those things that we have committed against Him and against His Torah, and also for things that we did not know and recognize were sin, that later we'll find out, I shouldn't have done that. The basic question that arises is why must a person who has sinned unwittingly, which is called a shogeg, bring an offering? After all, it is not a case of a person who has done wrong willfully and deserves punishment. Rather, a person who innocently, rather out of forgetfulness or mistake, does something which is subsequently discovered was forbidden. Why does the Torah punish such a person? What logic is there in requiring a person who has sinned unwittingly to bring a sacrifice? Now, there are many rabbis who have uh, discussed this and maybe even having some appointed different views, but we're going to look initially at just a couple couple of these. Now, Maimonides comments on this verse, and he says, when a person or a soul, as we discussed in the last class, unwittingly incurs guilt, since, and this is what he says, since thought takes place in the soul. That is, our, what we think is in our brain, our soul is caught up in our thought and, and emotions, correct? So since thought takes place in the soul, that sin unwittingly, that sins unwittingly, Scripture says here, soul, the reason the offerings are imposed on the soul that sins unwittingly is that all these sins bring disgrace upon the soul. So without knowing it, if you've committed a sin unwittingly, you're still marking your soul. You're still creating a buffer between you and the Creator. And that's the issue. The issue is, is how can we draw near to Him? How can we be near to Him if we have sinned? Well, clearly, if we have willingly sinned, we've created a gulf between us until we do tshuva. Tshuva means that I've repented, and then I've changed my ways and returned to Torah, returned to Torah. When I return to Torah life, when I turn to ethics of the Torah and wisdom of the Torah, I've actually drawn close to Hashem. When someone says, I want to get close to Hashem, 
what would be the recommendation for a person to get close to Hashem? Feel more spiritual? Sing more spiritual songs? No, it's actually studying the Torah, learning the Torah, and living the Torah. You can't get any closer to Hashem than that. It's the greatest prescription. Maimonides considers uh, uh, con, uh, continues on by saying, "But this is a dull." Says, uh, says, uh, I'm sorry. Um, uh, but but for this, the dull-witted of the world would not be worthy of coming before him. Therefore, the soul that sins unwittingly must bring an offering so that it be worthy of closeness to Hashem. That is why the word soul is used. Maimonides. Pro, uh, perceives all human actions as stem, st- stemming from the faculty of thought which resides in the soul. Even if a person does not intend to sin and his sin was committed unwittingly or unintentionally, nevertheless, the sinful action stems from a person's thought. Where does sin begin? It's in your mind. You know, I've heard people say, oh, I don't know what happened to this guy. I mean, he's just perfectly normal, great guy. And then one day he just went off his rocker and committed adultery on his wife. Like, nah, that doesn't happen that way. He committed adultery a long time ago between his ears. Right? So the idea is, it, 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 it starts in the thought. So Nemanides is saying, if a person sinned unwittingly, in reality, something was going on up here in the noggin. Okay, something wasn't right that caused his soul to wonder. And even though he wasn't aware, he still did it. Therefore, it is a blot on his soul. It would be, in some cases, considered the subconscious. If we're talking about modern psychology, you would say an unwitting sin, according to Nimonides, would be a person who sinned in their subconscious. Deep down inside, even though they didn't mean it, deep down inside, that's what caused them to have an error. Now, Rabbi Samson Raphael Hirsch offers a different explanation. He says, A shogeg sin, or unintentional sin, unwittingly sin, because of an inadvertent or forgetfulness, because of that at the moment of sinning, he is not attentive with the body and soul to act in accordance with the commandments and the Torah, because he is not, in words of the prophet, concerned about my words. Isaiah 66, 2. This lack of concern and rigorous attention to living according to the Torah and His commandments is the essence of the sin committed, committed unwittingly. It wasn't so much about the sin as the fact that he was going so casually about his life that he never knew what he should not have done. That make sense? Not having attention to detail. If uh, any of you guys have ever been in the military, you understand that there's, you know, when you first go to boot camp, you're having to, I don't think they do, they don't shine their shoes today, do they? I don't think they do that. Lucky guys. The Navy does? Okay. Didn't know that. But you shine your shoes. That's what they used to. Tuck your bed in, make sure it was made up just right. Bounce a quarter off the bed, all that. And you think, what in the world does this have to do with going out in the woods and shooting guns and playing Rambo? And you find out later it has everything to do with it because it is attention to detail that can save your life one day. And a soldier that goes into the field without having attention to detail finely tuned is the kind of person that in the heat of combat will make horrible decisions and horrible mistakes. And he will be the one that turns around to his first sergeant or the sergeant major and go, 
Well, I, I didn't realize that was going to happen. It's because you weren't paying attention. And so what Ralph Hirsch is saying here, that, you know, it's still a sin. Even though it's accidental, it's still a sin because you did not pay attention. You treated it casually. What did Hashem say to his people? He says, if you treat me casually and you treat my Torah casually, what did Hashem say he would do to his people? He would treat them casually. Meaning in the same way that you approach Torah, like, eh, whatever, it's not a big deal. I'll figure it out one day. Hashem will go, eh, whatever, you'll figure it out one day. All right? I want Hashem to hear my voice. I want to be pleased. And therefore, that's what motivates us. Now, in contrast to Nachmanides, Rav Hirsch does not relegate the unwittingly committed act to the subconscious. Rather, he stresses the element of carelessness, the danger of being unthinking and not paying su- sufficient attention to a person's every deed. Very, very important. So according to the traditions of our rabbis, there are two reasons for uh, Shogeg, or unwitting sin. Number one, ignorance of the law, or, it's co- or the contents of the law, i.e. not knowing that a certain deed is forbidden. Second would be the ignorance of one's action. A person knows of a certain proscription, but does not realize that a certain action constituted a violation of the law. They knew that there was something in the law about it, but they didn't, they didn't really pay much attention to the details of why that would be a violation. With that being said, Rabbi, uh, there's a Rabbi Hoffman that I wrote these remarks down. Proceed from the same underlying assumption that Ralph Hurst says is that unwitting sins are due primarily to a lack of attentiveness on the part of the sinner. Says either way, unwittingly sin is a short of neglect. And here's the verse: not taking care and being properly scrupulous. Now, how do we apply this to today, especially for? There are two groups represented here. There is the Jew and then there is the righteous non-Jew. Both attempting very scrupulously to live their lives. Um, how do we avoid those things is by knowing, knowing the Torah, by having people that will help you to maintain accountability. Very, very important. The reason why that it's important to have a community of brotherhood and sisterhood is to avoid even the opportunity to commit a sin. Because we, listen, we, we are going to sin. And Hashem has prescription for all that. Now that we don't have a temple, the way we deal with that is by changing our ways, walking according to Torah, study Torah, and, and do, give tzedakah. That's, that's the only remedy that you have. At that same time, why would I want to be careless about my life? Of course we don't want to be careless. That's why it's important to ask a brother or sister, hey, this is what I'm getting ready to do. What do you think? Is this right? Is this wrong? You know, I, I found, you know, who is this talking about finding a wallet? And they were like, hey, finders keepers. And the guy's like, no, I think if there's an ID in it, there's actually a law that says, <laughs> right? And so this whole idea is there is Torah law on all these things that we, uh, we live our life by. And we're not living our life by just the laws of this country. As a matter of fact, there are more laws in this city ordinance of Humble and Houston than there are Torah laws. So, so for someone to give me this dross about, well, the Torah is impossible to keep. No, it's, it's impossible to keep a city law without, or drive through our city without breaking a law. You know, if the Popo want to give you a ticket, they'll find a reason to give you a ticket, right? 
not that I ever did that, but <laughs> but I'm very familiar with the concept. <laughs> you know, uh, never mind. I won't even get into it. But the whole point is I want to encourage the community of believers virtually, those people here in this community. Let's, let's pay attention to detail. It's time to bring ourselves up to a whole nother level of accountability before God. And I'll close with this remark. Holiness cannot be something that you do to and for Hashem. Holiness is what you do with each other in your community. Holiness is a lifestyle that you live based on your relationship with each other. And that, my friend, is the reason why that we as a world community of believers and lovers of Hashem are going to grow because we realize this is about personal responsibility and about integrity and authenticity before the Creator. May Hashem richly bless you and keep you. Amen.